welcome to the First Lutheran Church located at 512 South Cale Avenue in Miles City with pastoral services provided by Pastor Steve Rice. The Holy Gospel according to Mark, reading today in the third chapter. Mark writes, Jesus went home, and the crowd came together again, so that Jesus and the disciples could not even eat. When his family heard it, They went out to restrain him, for the people were saying, He's gone out of his mind. And the scribes, who came down from Jerusalem, said, He has Beelzebul. And by the ruler of the demons, he casts out demons. And Jesus called them to him and spoke to them in parables. How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but his end has come. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his property without first tying up the strong man then indeed the house can be plundered. Truly, I tell you, people will be forgiven for their sins and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit can never have forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they had said, he has an unclean spirit. Then his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers and your sisters are outside asking for you. And Jesus replied, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Uh, Thank you again for joining in worship here on this uh, uh, breezy, even windy June Sunday morning. Uh, Item of housekeeping. A number of you are participants in the Simply Giving program. I, myself, am. Noel joins me in our uh, participation in that electronic funds transfer. I guess that's the formal name for our automated giving system that allows you to uh, uh, really achieve your stewardship intentions in a very measured, incremental way. I've been a member of it for years. It works really well. But one of the things I hear, and I never get to sit where you're seated, or very rarely do, uh, is that, boy, you know, the offering plate goes by and you feel kind of like odd where, where, when you know that your stewardship intention is being accomplished, but you're, uh, uh, but, but you're not putting something, physically placing something in the offering plate. And uh, we talked about that at council meeting. And so uh, for those of you who are simply giving participants, 
you'll see these little slightly larger than dollar bill size uh, gold, at least for the present time, uh, um, pieces of paper and they'll be outside located where the bulletins are distributed uh, and if you're simply giving participants just grab one on your way in uh, hang on to it you can make notes on the back if you want but when time comes for the offering to be received place this in the uh, uh, in the offering plate uh, the alms basin is technically what we call that and uh, it says I am simply giving uh, and thereby uh, witnessing to others of uh, this, this valuable program uh, for stewardship in the church. So watch for that. Grab one, put it in the plate, learn more. Good idea. Okay, well, let's uh, take a look this morning at uh, the lessons, just a few minutes, and begin with uh, just, a, just a touch uh, on the second lesson. Paul wrote, just as we have the same spirit, we believe, and so we speak. Paul's words have taken on, though, as I was reading them, thinking about them this week, they, they, they had a certain hollow ring to them. I'm going, really? What, what is it about those words that, that seem to uh, um, make me a bit uncomfortable? Just as we have the same spirit, we believe, and so we speak. Okay? Paul's words to me, uh, problematic, as I spent the past week of my life in this postmodern world, okay? The church today, I submit to you, struggles to speak with a single voice. The church struggles to speak with a single voice and to demonstrate the sameness of spirit. The sameness of spirit. The church has found itself in this place in the past. Okay, it has been there before. Certainly the Reformation was a period in history when the church struggled to speak with the sameness of spirit. Before that, the division between the Eastern Church and the Western Church, the Orthodox Church, and what came to be the Roman Church. Uh, so there is precedent for it. Um, and as the gospel extends to more and more people, as it has accomplished its uh, circumnavigation of the world, I suppose the tension is inevitable uh, between... Uh, understandings of, of the gospel uh, between culture and Christ. Okay. Uh, when I was a seminarian, one of the things we liked to sit and discuss was the question of whether or not Christ was there to transform culture or, in fact, it was inevitable that culture transformed Christ. Therefore, we're going to let our focus this morning be upon Christ um, with that as sort of a, a preamble and follow along as the Spirit gives us direction in this cultural time and most curious place in which we live. So, Mark's Gospel. Okay, recall Mark's Gospel uh, was the first Gospel to be written, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, okay? The first Gospel to be written was Mark, okay? About 70 A.D. The persecution of the church, the attempts to eliminate it, uh, from both the Roman side and, and, and the, the Jewish side was underway. Uh, and the eyewitnesses to the resurrection were dying, and many of them not of old age and pleasant deaths. Persecutions, uh, suffering was already a, 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 an element of what it meant to be a, a follower of Christ. By that time, just recently dubbed Christians. Uh, and so Mark began to write his gospel, to create a historical record of the things that were accomplished among uh, the disciples of, of, by Christ during his earthly ministry. 
Mark's gospel jumps in both feet right at the beginning of Jesus's ministry. Jesus is an adult, okay, when Mark begins to write. There's no birth stories, no Christmas stories, no childhood stories. It's the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Boom. Okay, so Mark uh, takes it, uh, uh, takes pen to uh, parchment and begins to write in very terse style. He doesn't put in a lot of embellishment. Matthew and Luke will do that, and John will most poetically do that as the last of the Gospels to be written. But um, in Mark's Gospel, we find here, still pretty early, third chapter, pretty early, the newly appointed disciples uh, quickly becoming, they became, without diminishing Jesus' biological family, Jesus' new family, the family of God, with God as Father. Uh, the family of the disciples, they were expanding, they were growing, uh, beyond even the twelve. In Mark's words, in the lesson that, uh, that you have before you, it began with the phrase, then he, Jesus, went home, went home. Where he went referred to the place where Jesus was doubtless staying in the city of Capernaum, a place that was known to Mary and to Jesus' extended family, and apparently... <laughs> In this word-of-mouth culture and society and time, a lot of other people, the crowds, pressed in, pressed in. And interestingly enough, note conspicuous by his absence, no Joseph, right? Joseph is simply vanishes from, uh, from the scene. Now, upon learning where Jesus was staying, his family went to persuade Jesus to go with them. They, they tried to seize him. They tried to, to, to physically bring him along. In their opinion, it appears Jesus needed to cool his rhetoric a bit and to lower his visibility. Simply put, the family knew that Jesus was becoming all too conspicuous. Okay, the buzz on the street. Uh, they knew that it was better to fly below the radar of both Roman officials and religious authorities if you wanted to get along. You know, the old expression, go along to get along. And if you need proof of that, uh, if one needed proof justifying the valid concern of his family, note, <laughs> note that some scribes had already been dispatched from Jerusalem to investigate what this Jesus this upstart of a carpenter's son without pedigree was saying. And then as now, authorities do not investigate in order not to find crimes. Okay? An intervention was called for, to use our modern parlance. An intervention seemed called for by the family. Okay? Jesus' opening salvo of his ministry, why, it seemed crazy suicidal to call too much attention to oneself while under Roman occupation always meant trouble Jesus was just burning too brightly for his own good so those who loved him wanted to quietly spirit him away but Jesus being Jesus he seizes the moment the torch had been passed to him from John and that is why in the face of the cynical scribes, Jesus began to speak. He spoke in parables, and he challenged the powers that came to challenge him. 
and to judge him and to accuse him of among all things being possessed and using the power of Beelzebul, using the power of the devil to do the things that he was doing. And so Jesus chose two illustrations, which he told, and he told them against the scribes who sought to investigate him. His points were these. The satanic sphere of power and influence was internally divided and thus could not long stand. Satan, number two, must be confronted before that power in the world could be overthrown. Satan's power overthrown. And Jesus had come to do just precisely that. I quote, how can Satan cast out Satan after being accused of operating under the authority of Satan to the scribes? How can Satan cast out Satan if you say that I am Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but his end has come. So how can you say that it is by the power of Satan that I do these things? Jesus was speaking to the scribes. Jesus' ministry, you see, spelled the inevitable downfall of the house of Satan. And Jesus, by his words and signs, uh, meant the binding of the powers of evil. Satan would no longer be able to go about uncontested. Satan was was first, though, to be bound and then destroyed. And that final destruction, we believe, came some couple of years later when Jesus left behind an empty tomb where a corpse of clay ought to have been found. The next Jesus spoke words that would go on to be argued over the next 2,000 years, still today, okay? Words sadly used, I think, uh, as misdirection away from more weighty matters of faith. And so, you know, uh, don't get caught up in this, but let's deal with it. The unpardonable sin. Doesn't feature prominently in this story, does it? Not featuring prominently in the overall event here described. It's almost passing uh, on Mark's part. But Jesus was speaking again about himself. Okay? He was speaking about himself and what it would mean uh, to those, for those, such as the scribes there present, who ascribed Jesus' good works to the, as being the work of the devil. Okay, What seems to have been unforgivable was what they were engaged in. It was what they were engaged in. What seemed unforgivable would be the persistent attribution to Satan, those things specifically accomplished by God, to insist that the things Jesus did were not of God but of Satan. That was the unforgivable thing that they were doing. Who had just done that? The scribes. Jesus was speaking to the scribes, the Jerusalem scribes. Jesus was speaking about them, not offering some grand dogma for all eternity for his church. He was speaking to them. The Jerusalem scribes had said he has Beelzebul in him. 
translate that as he's doing these things by the power of the devil. Their words were what prompted both the parables just told and the condemnation of those who stood present and before Jesus. Then Jesus was called away from the confrontation right, by his mother and brothers. The situation seems to have cooled a bit, okay, uh, and moved into the arena of what constituted his family. Here, note, another decision was made uh, by the early church, uh, the matter of Jesus' brothers. What does this mean? Uh, Sadly, uh, we can't rely just here strictly upon the structure of the, of the text for an answer to that question, or to the question, did Jesus have biological brothers and biological sisters, specifically James being a biological brother and perhaps and indeed suggested sometimes others. Right. Because here, words fail us, at least the Greek words fail us. You see, the word for cousin, the word for cousin, uh, is the same word, delphos, uh, for brother when used in Greek. And the question must be analyzed then, therefore, contextually, and Mark doesn't give us enough context to do that. Thus it fell to, how do we answer this question? It fell to the early church, okay, to decide what Mark was trying to communicate here. Mark wrote, notice that the crowd told Jesus, your mother and your brothers and your sisters are outside. Okay, it was the crowd word was passing through them, eventually gets to Jesus. The announcement itself seems to surprise Jesus. Your mother and brothers and sisters are outside. And Jesus goes, who? Okay. And that debate started well before the fourth century. And it still goes on today. Okay. But don't like the unpardonable sin. Get yourself all wrapped up in that. That is an error. An unforced error. For me, as I look at this, the deciding factor uh, regarding Jesus' siblings favors Jesus as an only child. Okay, Jesus as an only child. I'll tell you why. In addition to the relatively early disappearance of Joseph from the biblical narrative, okay, um, more telling to me is that while in mortal agony, while hanging from a cross, knowing that he was moments from death, what was important to Jesus himself? If I were to tell you you had but minutes to live, would you not address those things most important to you in the time you had left. I think Jesus did. Okay? In mortal agony, from the cross, Jesus specifically made sure that his mother, Mary, would be cared for after his death. Care of Mary would have been a given would have been a given had Jesus both brothers and sisters, family that would have cared for her, probably already caring for her, absent Joseph and Jesus' ministry that took him away a great deal. 
Okay. But notice Jesus's words to Mary and to John preserved by John's own recollection in his gospel as he described, and what are you going to describe with the greatest precision possible with those things that are most important and what for us and for the early church was most important with those events surrounding his death and resurrection when in chapter 19 John wrote this. Meanwhile, standing near the cross of Jesus were his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. No mention of siblings. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved, we believe that to be John, believe that strongly, standing beside her, Jesus said to his mother, woman, here is your son. And then he said to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. (laughs) Okay. Why? If there were multiple brothers and sisters, as some suggest, and as even this, this confused scene of the crowd pressing so hard they couldn't even eat upon them, gives some indication, would Jesus do that? I am left to conclude that as the virgin birth was unique, so too remained that woman who gave birth to God. Jesus belonged to God's plan of salvation. That is why Jesus looked at those who sat around him and said, Here are my mother and my brothers, adding, Whoever does the will of God is my brother and my sister and my mother. Jesus belonged not only to the ages, but you see, he belonged to and belongs to all who believe. He is our brother, Christ our brother. Okay. Finally, uh, we are left to answer the question, of whether that house that Jesus built, and I suggested at the opening, the house that Jesus built, the church, has been so divided and fractioned and over the years that it can continue to long stand. Has it just been a good run for 2,000 years and now we die with a whimper? Or we die as another religion rises and says to us you must pay homage you must convert or you must die can Israel survive the world remains a hostile place and so it is reasonable to ask what lies ahead and I tell you I do not know I do not even know that with certainty about my own self what lies ahead I do know though as Jesus has said, a house divided against itself is always in existential peril. The Christian church, particularly in America and in Europe, we've talked about that before, the center of gravity is no longer a Europe-North uh, America axis. 
The center of gravity of the Christian church has shifted. It is now Africa and South America. The church is going to look very different. But is the Christian church in America so divided as not to be able to stand? Will the churches of the southern hemisphere send missionaries to re-evangelize us once we are gone? There are those who say, it has gone mad. It is out of its mind, the church. And I cannot refute them. The question, though, that I leave with you today is the one posed by Paul to the Corinthians. A city with, you know, when you think about it, 2,000 years historical difference, but in many ways remarkably similar to America today. Just as we have the same spirit, we believe, and so we speak. How will the spirit speak today and tomorrow? I don't know. I don't know, but I can pray. And I only pray that as a congregation, as a family of faith, brothers and sisters, as a congregation of the church and each of us individually, as I look at you and know your stories, we be found listening. We be found listening. When that spirit, when the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity speaks to us that we might speak in the words of the hymn in living echoes of that song. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this production of the First Lutheran Church. We welcome you to visit us in person at 512 KL Avenue. You can also find us on Facebook at First Lutheran Church, Miles City, Montana, and email us at flc at midrivers.com.